Hello there. You're listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions this upcoming weekend. We will also be doing our first box office draft for the 2021 movie season. actual NFL draft? I did not know that. Well, actually, I did, because the whole thing about Tom Brady, where they always mm. post him shirtless, Yeah. and he was like, I just gotta be honest, I don't really like seeing that picture every single year. But I, For me, it's coincidental. Like, did you, you didn't know that planning our draft for this show, did you? Absolutely not. What a coincidence. Did you know that they got significantly more viewers than the oscars which is the first time that the draft has done that in history <laughs> is that true yeah that's crazy they like How two or three million get? more viewers than than the oscar so like 10 or 12 that's amazing why what is the incentive to watch the nfl draft like do they do crazy uh, shenanigans on stage or whatnot or is it just it's just people picking and then they they the the people who go up i'm pretty sure they have like a moment to say something like Thank you for drafting me, something like that. That's pretty much it. That's incredible. Good for all the people that got chosen during the NFL draft. I will not be watching your work this upcoming season, but <laughs> best of luck to you. Hope you make it to the Super Bowl. But we know Tom Brady will somehow get there again. So, Of course. Now we've got some news today at the time of this reporting, which is May the 4th. Star Wars The Bad Batch was the first episode was dropped. Did you watch it? I did not. Did you? No. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting for Spencer and Fernando, so we're all going to watch it at the same time, probably. Oh, Wait. you're going to have a viewing party together? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds interesting. It's 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 the uh, the sequel to The Clone Wars, pretty much. It's about a squad of elite clones that was featured in the last season, and it's about their story after Order 66, which is interesting to see. Yeah, that the premise is what's grabbing me and is what makes me want to watch it. Mm. But I'll probably hold out and hear what you and Spencer and Fernando, what people are saying about it before I jump in. But mm. it does sound really interesting and it's Dave Filoni, right? The creator of Clone Wars is spearheading it. So should be good. All the indicators are saying that it should be good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's super exciting. So go ahead and watch that if you're a Star Wars fan and celebrate May the 4th, which already has passed by the time you're listening to this, but still, you can watch it. And another four-related thing, big day for that number apparently, MCU Phase 4. We got the lineup. It is going to be four movies a year for the near future in marvel so we have doctor strange for march 2022 thor love and thunder may 2022 black panther got a title it is going to be called wakanda forever july 2022 captain marvel 2 is going to be known as the marvels that's november 2022 ant-man and the wasp 3 will be known as ant-man and the wasp quantum mania 
that's February 2023, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, May 2023. And they gave us a teaser for Fantastic Four, but we don't know when that's going to actually come to fruition, mm-hmm. since they haven't cast anything yet, so we'll hear more about that in the coming months, I'm sure. And then Captain America 4, which they were just teasing post-Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No word on that, but I'm sure that'll also... Those two will likely fill in the other two slots in 2023, yeah. if I had to guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah, big stuff. What are you most excited for of these these films that they have teased? Of the ones being teased, I guess Doctor Strange, just because I feel like that's going to be setting up more of the universe rather than just like standalone movies. Thor, because Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy, because that's a continuation of what we've seen before. For the most part, Black Panther is another standalone film, and I like to see what they do, seeing as how Chadwick Boseman's passed away. The Marvels, which is just now occurring to me, is probably referencing Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, who's getting her own show later this year or early next year. Mm-hmm. That, that, that seems fun, I guess. I didn't really <laughs> like the first Captain Marvel, but we'll see. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. That sounds like a good time. Because it's got yeah, Kang yeah. the Conqueror, which is which is like a major player in the in the Marvel comics, and so I like to see how they adapt that. And also, I just love Paul Rudd. <laughs> you know that I do. Yeah, he's great. And it's February twenty twenty three. Like I think February seventeenth, mm-hmm. something like that. So it seems like it'll be a love related thing with Ammon and the Wasp. So that I seems hope. like it'd be a fun movie, or a rom com with Kang the Conqueror mm-hmm. <laughs> as the looming villain. Um, so that should be interesting, but yeah, right now I am most excited for Doctor Strange just because of, I mean, Sam Raimi's heading it and there's mm-hmm. still the idea of playing around with the multiverse seems really fun. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Thor Love and Thunder, the Thor series has really grown on me, so I'm excited to see how they handle that, the fourth Thor film, um, so those two are probably the ones I'm most excited about. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, as we get closer, I'm sure I will be just as excited for that. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be the final one. So hopefully we'll get to see all those characters wrap up very beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then of course, Wakanda Forever. I'm really interested to see how they are going to handle that going forward. Of course. Because it, they had to retool the whole thing, right? Yeah. I mean, get a new script going. Mm-hmm get a whole new direction to take the series and then film it all, get all the post-production things figured out and then releasing it July, 2022. So that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that ends up being, but I believe in them. Ryan Coogler, Kevin Feige. I mean, they're masters at what they do. So should still be great. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to all of those. Now, looking back a little bit to this last weekend, we have our box office breakdown coming in first to my chagrin, Demon Slayer Mugen Train, because you were correct. I thought Mortal Kombat would hold out at the number one spot, but you were right. Demon Slayer did overtake it because it added 300 theaters. Now, that being said, we thought Demon Slayer and Mortal Kombat would end up around the 15 million range. Now... They had a significant drop that I didn't anticipate. Demon Slayer is at 6.4 million, which is a 70% drop, and Mortal Kombat in second is at 6.2 million, the 73% drop. 
that is much more significant than what I thought it would be. I, I guess people who wanted to see it saw it the first weekend and didn't go back to for seconds, I suppose. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that seems to be the most likely case, is all the big fans went out together the first weekend, so it's front-loaded. Um, and yeah, this is a massive, massive drop. We'll see if it continues mm-hmm. into week three, because typically, COVID times, especially when there isn't a new release that comes out, the third and fourth weekends are relatively steady. So mm-hmm. we'll see if they'll be able to hold on to this mid-range year of like the five to six million. Um, but yeah, definitely surprising to see that they stayed so head-to-head. I mean, again, a very close finish between the two like it was last week, but both of them suffered from those big drops, uh, which is additionally surprising since there wasn't any other major competition this weekend. Godzilla vs. Kong is still hanging around. It got $2.8 million, and a new film, a tiny horror film mm-hmm. called Separation, came in at $1.8 million. Wow. But again, those two weren't crazy threats, so it's not that stuff that was pulling away from people going to see it. Yeah. So again, it could just be all the fans already went out, and the more casual viewers haven't gotten around to it or don't want to get around to it, either for COVID or just the films themselves, mm-hmm. or potentially streaming was popping off. Yeah, because HBO Max. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that, With, but then also the counter programming on streaming services. If mm-hmm. films were coming out there that people were um, more interested in seeing. Yeah. But yeah. Now, I want to say that I saw Demon Slayer last week. I, I binge watched the entire season that they have out there's only one season out right now and then i went and saw the movie and it's so good it's so good ryan <laughs> it's i know it's fernando's favorite anime of all time i i highly highly recommend demon slayer it's only a season it took me like three days to bust through it not not a difficult watch at all very very easy to, to go through one at a time and and i mean if i keep watching anime at this pace I mean, we we might we might branch out and do another show maybe like once every two weeks I come on, we talk about anime, maybe animes I've seen recently. So if you're, if anyone who's listening would be interested in that, let us know on our Instagram page. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, I'd be happy to come on and do a little extra show where I talk about anime uh, once every two weeks. I think that'd be fun, but Demon Slayer is fantastic. So <laughs> please, please, please go see Demon Slayer and then go see Demon Slayer moving train in theaters. Cause it's such a cool theatrical experience. The music is great. The fight scenes are incredible. It's it's all like samurai swordsmanship. And it's so cool the way they do it. I love the animation. Highly recommend go see Demon Slayer and go see Demon Slayer Moving Train. Demon Slayer is on Netflix right now. It's sub and the dub. And I'm pretty sure it's on Crunchyroll too. So if you have either of those, watch the first season of Demon Slayer. Go see the movie. Did you watch the movie? Because they have the sub and dub version in theaters, right? Yeah. Which one did you see? Oh, the dub. The dub? The sub, sorry. Okay. I got, I got them backwards. I got them backwards. I Yeah, we saw the sub, of course. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So next week, with our box office predictions, your word of mouth, Dylan, a lot of people mm-hmm. that have seen Demon Slayer, they like it, so they're talking about it. I think that's why they added 300 theaters. They saw how successful it was and how yeah. positive the reaction has been. So that could drive more people to go see Demon Slayer first by catching up on the series and then 
going to the movies themselves to catch it. So that could potentially keep Demon Slayer around in the top spot. But we do have a new film, Wrath of Man, which is directed by Guy Ritchie, and it is starring Jason Statham. So the action film. So this, do you think it will be able to overtake Demon Slayer? Or potentially, I mean, it seems unlikely, but Mortal Kombat could take back the number one spot. Um, but do you think, which do you think is most likely to come out on top this next week? That's a close call, because if I had to guess, I think Wrath of Man would come in around five to seven million range, which is right where Demon Slayer Mortal Kombat are at right now. And if it's true that they aren't going to drop too far in their third weekend, like you're saying they will, which is typical of movies these days, it's hard to see which one will come out on top because they're battling it out at very similar prices at this point. I mean, I know there's some diehard Jason Statham fans, and diehard Guy Ritchie fans, but I don't know if there's enough to overtake Demon Slayer and Mortal Kombat. Uh, at this point, it's really just eeny, meeny, mighty, mo pick one because I can't, I can't see which one. There's no clear winner. It's all way too close for me to see because Demon Slayer and Mortal Kombat are already really, really close as it is. If I had to pick between Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer, I think Demon Slayer would still be above Mortal Kombat. When you throw Wrath of Man in, I mean, I think you got to pick one. You got to go for it. I know, I know. I think, it. I think Wrath of Man will come right above Demon Slayer. So I think our number one next week will be Wrath of Man and then Mortal Kombat. I mean, and then Demon Slayer and then Mortal Kombat and then probably Godzilla versus Kong still in the, in, right. in the top five. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that because it's weird because Wrath of Man is one of those films that in a normal time you'd be like, ah, that's going to be like a trash film. No one really needs to go see in theaters. Mm-hmm. But we saw with Nobody, which is sort of a similar action-related film starring just one key actor, Yeah, which this is the same thing. It's really heavily featuring Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. That got $6.8 million. Nobody did in its opening mm-hmm. a few weeks back. So Wrath of Man with Jason Statham, I feel like is a bigger draw than Bob Odenkirk right now. Yeah. I almost said Ben Odenkirk. Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wasn't even thinking about Ben Affleck this time. Crazy. Guy Ritchie, uh, again, like you said, I mean, that's a notable director compared to who did Nobody. Um, definitely more established. So I feel like those two things combined would make this at least be on par with nobody's opening. But I also don't know if the marketing for this has been as hardcore as with nobody, which I mean, I don't know if this had any effect, but nobody got a big advertisement at WrestleMania. Really? Like did a whole trailer in between a match. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, I knew about definitely going into it. Wrath of Man, I've just been seeing like here and then on YouTube, random ads for it. So I don't know if it's as widespread as nobody was, um, but I still think it'll come in the same ballpark. So I'll say 5.5 mil-ish in that range for Wrath of Man. And I think that mm-hmm. will just edge out Demon Slayer and Mortal Kombat. I think it will come out on top. All right, I agree with you. I I think your reasoning is sound. I think we're on the same page here. We'll see next week. So I agree. We will. All right. It is now time for our first annual 
box office draft. All right, so so explain to the audience what the box office draft is for those who don't know, which is everybody because it's the first time we've done this. Yes, but as we just talked about with the NFL draft, it is very familiar. So essentially what we'll be doing is out of 25 of the most notable films that are yet to come out in 2021, each of us will be selecting five movies in order to create our roster of what we think will be the highest grossing films for the year. And that'll be worldwide. And at the end of the year, once all our films have come out, we will look at the average between their worldwide grosses and see who had the better roster, who did better in their draft picks. Should we get like a a box office belt or like a box office (laughs) crown? We should. We absolutely should. Yeah, we'll see how much it costs. And, and then, then we do I, it yeah. each year, and then we'll see who will be the reigning champion. Yeah. But yeah, so this one will, of course, be for 2021. It'll be our first time, our first little cinema showdown. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. Now, of course, we're going to be uh, updating you as the films we pick come out, so you know who's on top at any given point. We'll be doing that live on the show and on our Instagram. So we'll be able to follow throughout the year and you can keep track with us. Now we've selected 25 films here and they're what we think will be the top 25 of the year close to it. And we're going to go one at a time now and pick one film at a time each until we have five collected. Now we're going to go through the top 25 so you know which movies we're picking from, and we're going to post that list on Instagram as well, so you can see it whenever you want to. So number one, this is in chronological order. Number one, coming out the soonest, we think will be Spiral from the Book of Saw. It comes out May 14th. A Quiet Place 2 comes out May 28th. Cruella also comes out May 28th. In the Heights in June 11th. F9, June 25th, 25th. Black Widow, July 9th. Space Jam, A New Legacy, July 16th. Hotel Transylvania, Transfermania, a lot of manias going on, July 23rd. Jungle Cruise, July 30th. The Suicide Squad, August 6th. Candyman, August 27th. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, September 3rd. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, September 24th. Dune, October 1st. No Time to Die, October 8th. Halloween Kills, October 15th. The Last Duel, also October 15th. Eternals, November 5th. Clifford the Big Red Dog, November 5th as well. Ghostbusters Afterlife, November 11th. Top Gun Maverick, November 19th. West Side Story, December 10th. Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th. The Matrix 4, December 2022. Wait, December 22nd, <laughs> 2021. Also December 22nd, Sing 2. That's all top 25. Now we're going to do our coin toss. I have this little no coin value Chuck E. Cheese coin that I found on my desk <laughs> that, that we can use. And because I'm flipping, I'll let you pick. So what is it going to be, Ryan? Heads or tails? Well, okay, so let me see the 
coin thing? What's head supposed to be and what's tail supposed to be? So, so if you look at it very closely, this this thing says no no <laughs> cash value on the back. That's tails. Okay, beautiful. Or I guess that should be heads on the front. Because, no, actually, it's a bald eagle. Oh, uh, so bald eagle is our tails. Yeah, then the no cash value is our heads. Gotcha. All right. All so right, heads so I can confuse you in the flip. Uh-huh. How, what's the probability of getting heads three times in a row? Okay, there's a lot of we factors got that go into that. You can't just multiply one half times one half times one half because that's not actually the probability. There's more math that goes into it. Isn't it though? If you want to be... A simpleton, you could say one eighth, <laughs> sure. But well, that's what it would be, would it not? No, because you have to go. Because if you remember statistics from from high school, you have to go and you have to create like a Markov chain, where you it's whatever, it's a whole thing. All right, now that and how far President Bartlett traveled from Japan, landing in there. How many time zones did he cross? Oh, that? <laughs> yeah, from the West Wing. Yeah, unanswerable no, questions what is it right, we spent like call. how long a half an hour trying to figure that out yes <laughs> Jesus. all right ready and I, we still didn't do it i still don't know how anyway call I it in call... the air okay tails it is tails you get to go first Ooh. Ooh. let's good go. call good call all right see i confused him i made him think he, did. he was manifesting it and i was all over the that. place <laughs> okay my first pick will mm-hmm. be unsurprising to anyone who truly knows who I am a fan of. Spider-Man No Way Home. All right. All right. Why did you pick that one as your number one? Okay. So first of all, I was always going to pick this. Always had to rep my boy Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Even if for whatever weird reason it was never going to be a hit, I would still pick it. But it is going to be a hit. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Far From Home got 1.1 billion back in 2019 which was the highest grossing spider-man film to date which again that was over homecoming which had 880 million yep so we are seeing the excitement for mcu spider-man continuing to increase it is not going down so this third film which will be continuing where we left off there was no Sony split. We're still staying in that universe. We're continuing off the cliffhanger that we had in Far From Home. Mm-hmm. That is why I think this will continue to be an upward trajectory, which, I mean, potentially not based on the COVID. Always got to consider that. But I still think by this time, December, it's at the end of the year. Yeah. So hopefully in America, we will have resolved that and people will feel comfortable going to the theaters again. Mm-hmm. And it won't be... Um, like hopefully the mask mandates and all that will be passed at that point. So people will be able to go in and feel like, okay, let's have a nice family outing. We can get some popcorn. We can get some drinks and just relax in there and not have to worry. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll be true. Um, And then in other parts of the world, I'm sure that will also be the case. Um, But it is important for America since I think we've always been, the biggest Spider-Man fans in North yeah. America, I think, is always the biggest comic mm-hmm. book market. Even still, even though China's always getting bigger and bigger, 
um, in terms of liking Marvel films especially, it's still crucial for North America. So by then we should be back up and running. And because this is the third film, we're all already invested in this story and the potential for Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. He just said, no, I didn't get the call, but that could be a lie. Mm-hmm. They could be trying to cover for it. Um, so they potentially could show up. And if that's true, that would be crazy. That would get all the attention there. People would want to go see it. But we do know Alfred Molina should be showing up. Jamie Foxx should be showing up. So mm-hmm. if they really do hammer home that Spider-Verse-esque storyline, then I think this is going to be a big film. And I'm going to say, I dare say it, mm-hmm. it will get over a billion dollars. I agree with you. It will get over a billion dollars. I guarantee it. But, Guaranteed. But yeah. Spider-Man would not have been my first choice. So I'm okay with you taking it. Okay. Because my first choice and my number first pick for this draft is The Eternals. Okay. Another Marvel flick. It's coming out in November. That gives us two months before the end of the year. COVID should be about settled by then in terms of people willing to go to the theaters and theaters returning back to normal. So we'll have a normal box office around that time. It is a Marvel movie. People love Marvel movies. They make tons of money. This is a Marvel movie that's featuring a huge cast. Chloe Zhao just won Best Director. There's all kinds of all kinds of elements going into the Eternals that I think will make it the number one box office of the year. There's there is something I think that Spider Man won't do. What's that? I don't think it will cross a billion mm. by the time the year ends. There's three weekends before the year ends, so that's only three weekends that you can count as part of your total. I don't think that'll. We can. Nah, no, 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 no. Rules on it that is later. I don't think the that... end of 2021. It is no, they're 2021 movies. You still count it. If that were the case, Avatar wouldn't be the biggest film of 2009. We're doing the we're doing the box office 2021 draft. That means it ends 2021. We do our reveal show, the first show of January. No. Yes. That's absurd. We'll we'll flesh this out later, but I think my my rules will stick. I mean, we we'll can flesh it out later. But I definitely week. don't think they're twenty twenty one films. They release in twenty twenty one, but you still count what they got based on their full run. Full yeah, but if that's run. the case, then three years from now, when they re release Spider Man and it makes more money, maybe you overtake me and you win, and then I have to give you back the crown for twenty twenty one. No. It's who it's, we can it's definitely the, make a limit of no re-releases. I don't think that'll it's be an the issue. highest gross of 2021, not uh, overall. No, it is overall. That would be absurd to we'll, not. We'll, we'll argue about this Bro, later. Demon Slayer, Mugen Train, that's about to become the number one film of 2020. Why? Because it's still in theaters in 2021. We will, but you would say that's not the number one film. You would say Bad Boys for Life is. Yes. Because it made money in 2020. We're talking about... It's a 2020 film. We're talking about to see who makes the most money in 2021. Then you would never be able to count any Christmas film that gets released. No, you Again, wouldn't. I refer you to Avatar. Which doesn't make sense. The number... I mean, the number... I mean, granted, I still think Spider-Man is probably going to make 600... It could make 600, 700 million dollars before 2022. Like, it still could make a lot of money. It's not a terrible choice. 
But from what I think the rules should be, I think the Eternals will come out on number one because you got two months to rack in money there instead of three weeks. We'll clarify this later. We'll get back to you next week on what the, the specified rules are for how we're going to count box office numbers. And I can assure you it will be the way you actually count box office numbers. Which we will is have the theatrical to... run, not of the year. We will have but to get outside opinions. I would also still wager that Spider Moon would probably get. I mean, most blockbusters and most Marvel films are front loaded anyway, so I would imagine it would still rack up enough to exceed Eternals. Mm-hmm. You have a bit of faith, I think, in it's a relatively unknown property. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean very unknown. <laughs> uh, casual audiences certainly won't know it. The but cast, at the time, so was Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. But the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, worked in its favor. We don't mm. really know how Eternals is going to go, if it's going to be right a more comedic sort of thing as Guardians was, which I think is what pulled in a lot of um, outside audiences. But also Guardians got $700 million. Were you expecting Eternals to end up? I think close to a billion, if not crossing it. Close to a billion. Worldwide, I think it can make it. I see, I see. Again, I do think, I mean, certainly it'll be a good film, right? Chloe Zhao at the helm, Oscar winner, so not doubting that it'll be good. But I'm just wondering, and that's potentially based on the fact that we haven't had any real trailers yet, um, Mm -hmm. but of all the hyped-up films... I don't think that's the the biggest one right now, but we sit, we shall see. That could change coming up, but yeah, I would wager probably around seven hundred to eight hundred million on the high end. Like that's where I think it'll have its ceiling. We shall see, indeed. What is your number two pick? My number two selection is going to be. No time to die. Ah, you bastard! <laughs> I wanted, I wanted James Bond. Oh yes, it is a James Bond film, of course. The last that we will see Daniel Craig in there. Mm-hmm. Skyfall in 2012 got over a billion, 1.1. Spectre in 2015 got 880.7 uh, million. Mm-hmm. So certainly, there are massive films. I mean, that's incredible. It doesn't, it never even has the James Bond colon, whatever it is. They just stick with Skyfall Spectre, No Time to Die. So you have to be in the know. And a lot of people are because they go out to see these films. Yeah. So I think this one, it's been getting pushed back. It was supposed to come out way long ago in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Like April 2020. It got pushed back to November 2020 and then now to November 2021. Because, or I guess October 8th, right? Um, Because the foreign market is a big part of why James Bond has such success. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make sure that they had as much people able to see it, right? Enough theaters open around the world. And I think that by the time it comes out, October 8th, that will be the case. And I think we will see a lot of people flock to the theaters for this one. Mm-hmm. I don't honestly, I mean, there's the fact that this was like the last one of Daniel Craig, so people would want to go see it. Yeah. But also, again, there is still the COVID factor. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it'll cross a billion, but I definitely think it'll get close. I think it'll surpass 800 million, and I'm hoping it does get up there. That'd be amazing if it did cross a billion. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? What was your, since you wanted this, what were you hoping to see out of No Time to Die? I mean, I just wanted it because this movie looks great and I love Daniel Craig and I love James Bond. It had nothing to do with the performance. I think it'll be a strong performance <laughs> and it was certainly one of my higher picks that I was going to make. But I mean, with COVID going on with all the other movies is competing around and Spectre only made, what, 800 million worldwide around there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. It's not a bad pick. Now, my number two pick, my second pick, is F9. Dang. Oh, the Fast and Furious. Yeah, That's there it was, is. That was another yep. one I wanted. Stole it from you. Now, Fast 8, The Fate and the Furious, The Fate of the Furious, which was F8, made <laughs> $1.2 billion when it came out. That is a whopping total. Furious 7 made $1.5 billion. Fast and Furious 6 made $788 million. Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw made 760. I mean, it, they bring in a lot of money for these Fast and Furious movies, and they seem to be never ending. Plus, now you have John Cena coming in here into the mix. People are going to see this movie. People are going to want to see this movie, even though it's coming out relatively sooner, which is June. I still think people are going to want to see it. I still think it's going to draw in a lot of money. I think it will get close to a billion, if not crossing it over time. I am confident in saying F9 will be one of the top movies of the year. So that is my second pick. That is a good selection. Yeah, I was, that was the other one in my top three. I used, I had it in my top two, but I was wondering if you were going to go for F9. So Mm -hmm. I had anticipated you would pick James Bond before it. I did. I so that's have. why I wanted to steal James Bond from you, but I didn't realize you would have F9 so high on your list. F9 was yes. my second, yeah. The reason you said it is a very healthy franchise. $1.2 billion, $1.5 billion for those two mainline films, and then for a spinoff, $760 million back in 2019. So that's impressive. The only thing that I would say is going against this is mm-hmm. the fact that it is so early in the year yeah. compared to some of the other ones. So that could potentially prevent people, but it also but has the benefit the same of time. no streamer. So you have to go see it in theaters. Yeah, at the same time, Godzilla vs. Kong, which was released on a streamer as well, still outperformed its predecessor, even though it was released in uh, late March, early April. So I think F9 can meet the expectations it would have even if it wasn't COVID times. I think people will still go because it's June 25th that is coming out. People are still going to want to go. People, It's the only way you can see it is in theaters. I think I will get a lot of my my numbers from that. That'll be a heavy hitter for sure. I see, I see. All right, my next film. It'll be an interesting selection. I want to see what you would say, but I'm going with... Mm-hmm. Some bold choices. Venom. Let there be carnage. Wow. This one in 2018, the first film, mm-hmm. got a 856 million worldwide, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Most of that came from overseas. 642 million of that. Yep. So a massive international hit. 
I think it will do it again. Even though, I mean, the first one was trash. It was garbage. And everyone knew that. And people still went to see it. Yeah. So I think if expectations are around there for this new film and people are like, oh, let's just go see it, have some fun. And they got Carnage going in there. Isn't it Woody Harrelson? Who's playing? Yeah, Woody Harrelson is going to be Carnage. I mean, come on. That's amazing. Andy Serkis is directing it. Look at that. Which is really interesting. So I think now Venom was definitely on my radar. It was in my top 10 because I picked 10 films that I wanted to go with five to be sure five as backups. And it was in my top 10 for a while, but I knocked it off because I hated the first movie and I didn't want it to be on my list. I didn't want it to be. They would taint my list. I'm willing to sacrifice the box office numbers that I could bring in because I hated the first one so much. But yeah, it will bring in a lot of money guaranteed. So that is a good pick for you. Good for you for for putting your personal feelings aside and picking Venom. I mean, I was all right with because I couldn't do it. <laughs> I told you I went in again knowing it was trash, mm-hmm. and I had a ball. The one lobster scene. The lobster. You love the lobster scene when he jumps. <laughs> I remember you talking about that on the show. I died laughing in the theater watching that. That was amazing. All right, your next selection, your third pick. All right, um, my number three. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I think that's a pretty solid pick. It is coming out September. COVID's won't be as much of a worry. And the international market is going to hit hard with that. China is one of the biggest international markets for the movie business, and they're going to flood the theaters to see Shang-Chi just as much as America will. It's a Marvel movie, and it is representation they will want to see it. I think Shang-Chi will bring in a lot of money that way. I think people will want to see it regardless of the representation. In America, people will want to see it. China, The Chinese market will want to see it. I think it'll bring in a lot of money. So I think Shang-Chi will bring in $800 million, maybe even 900 worldwide. I see, I see. I don't disagree that it'll be big, but here's why I didn't go for it. Mm-hmm. right now because I was also considering the idea that you know it's a character based in Chinese culture mm-hmm. certainly Kevin Feige I mean I think partially in good faith they wanted more representation but I think they also were like this would be a massive hit yeah. for the Chinese marketplace so it'll make us a lot of money um and I think, to an extent, that is true. The fact that it is a Marvel movie, I think, is what will attract a lot of people in the Chinese market to go see it. I'm not convinced, though, that right the fact that it is a Chinese hero mm-hmm. would push more of them out to see it than they normally would. Just because we saw with Mulan, right? There was sort of a an attempt to make that more of like to appeal to specifically the Chinese market when they did the live action remake mm-hmm. and that thing flopped. It yeah, only got like 40 million something underperformed heavily, which I think was a reflection of both the film's quality. Apparently wasn't that great. Um, but also the fact that like you brought up the representation, I feel like at this point, China has such a robust market of them for themselves like filmmaking market 
that they don't necessarily need to turn to Hollywood to get representation like that. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about it a lot, but the number one film of the year of 2021 right now is Hey Mom or something like that. Some yeah. title and it has a hundred eight hundred and fifty three million, something mm-hmm. like that, which is a film made in China and it grows to most of its haul in China. Hi Mom, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over eight hundred million. Detective Chinatown three has nearly seven hundred million. And again, those are just Chinese pictures that a bunch of people in the Chinese market went to go see. So I feel like that isn't as strong of a draw mm-hmm. for Shang Chi. So that makes me think it could go one of two ways. It could end up being like Captain Marvel, which mm-hmm. got one hundred fifty three million in. China, um, which helped push it to over a billion yeah. worldwide, or it could be something more along the lines of Ant-Man or Doctor Strange, which those got relatively weaker uh, mm-hmm. box office grosses. Ant-Man got like 518 million. Doctor Strange got 676 million worldwide. So... Mm-hmm. It, I feel like in that sense, it's more of a more of a coin toss because it could be a good Marvel film and then that drives people out to see it, or it could be because it's a lesser known property uh, and the jury's still out on whether or not it will be great. That could potentially dampen if people go see it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's why I was having a hard time, again, with Eternals as well. I was struggling to think of, like, yes, we've been lacking for Marvel and people will want to see it, but also with these lesser-known properties that people aren't as invested in yet, there's the potential that they could not be good. So Mm -hmm. will they have, and with the COVID factor included, would they have as high the grosses that we've seen in recent films like Aquaman and... Black Panther, Captain Marvel for the standalone first films, or will it be more of a Doctor Strange or Ant Man? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. Seems like you are more confident that this one will live up to yeah. the former films that I mentioned, Captain Marvel and all them that did get some healthy grosses. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to hit like Infinity War numbers and get to 360 million in China, but I think it'll be a significant hitter. I mean, it's an MCU movie, unlike Mulan. It is an MCU movie, which, I mean, 12 of them, 13 of them have crossed 100 million already in China, like when they premiered. Uh, MCU movies tend to do well in the international market as opposed to the live action Mulan remake. And it is a. Chinese superhero that is based on Chinese culture and it's a it's about that I mean that'll be a huge draw I think it could cross even the likes of Captain America Civil War which made 180 million in China maybe even Avengers Age of Ultron which made 240 million in China I think the possibilities are endless I think if enough people like it if enough word of mouth gets around and enough people want to see it especially in China it could bring in a butt ton of money now what is your fourth pick for the draft? Well, here's the thing. Now I don't know if I... I mean, based on your rules, 
and that throws away the entire end of the year practically were you gonna pick the matrix i was considering it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think you'll come around and see because again i mean it'd be rather insane we can do our end of the year like our top films of 2021 and whatnot and we can do our 2022 draft picks so it's not like we would necessarily need to cap off the year right immediately with our what's our ranking and again Mm -hmm. i think it's disingenuous to like compare what spider-man got and it's only its first three weeks versus eternal's total run like that's not really reflective of the true market of what people wanted to see and what they ended up seeing so i think i'll be able to convince you to allow us to extend for the theatrical run but but okay but the draft pool ends when the matrix four falls off the top five not top five when it what, when it, why would it be that? All right, all right, when, it when it falls off the top, ceases its thing. I mean, when it gets to a point where, do you like, know how long Matrix Four can run in the theater? Matrix Four can go for months. We'll and Spider Man too. I mean, it's possible, but we can do again. I'm telling you, it's not going to be that insane. We want to have an accurate reflection of the 2021 movie draft and the 2021 movie season, right? And hey. If we were to do the top 10 films, remember when we did that for like 2019, I think? Yeah. I think we were so. trying to see, okay, what are the number one films or the top 10 films of the year? Mm-hmm. It's still accumulating if they were ones that were released towards the end of the year. Right? They're still right. adding up their count. All right, all right, all right. I will <laughs> allow this to continue until their theatrical release is done and we can do our final tally in like March or April. Exactly. I don't think it'll be that long to be honest i mean we can see and there's at a certain point where i mean if it has like hundreds of millions or even just tens of millions behind each other i mean there's no way that mm, after the, the first be taken. month that it's gonna gross that much yeah what would be interesting is seeing if it opens up in international markets in a different time than mm-hmm. um other films because i mean that does happen like, for instance, F9 is opening in May around the world, I think, and only in June for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that deals. But anyway, so I will pick, and this is another bold choice, I feel like, Matrix mm-hmm. 4. Wow. Because it is going to be on a streamer, HBO Max. And it's entirely possible that it could suck. Because we know nothing about it yet. So it could just end up being bad. But it is the first time that we will have this film. Or a film in this franchise. Anything in this franchise really. Because we've had no series or spinoffs. Things like that. So the first time in nearly two decades. Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves has become a truly beloved action star. As he should. Those two things, the hype around this being a new entry into a beloved film franchise, and Keanu Reeves starring in it, and the possibility that it could be amazing and incredible, I think will work in this film's favor. The first Matrix got $466 million. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. For a new IP 
it was a bold film, not your average blockbuster, and yet it gained that much. And a lot of it was from overseas. So I think around 60% of it was overseas. Matrix 2. This is what was crazy. This is what pushed me over on it. It got $741 million. Mm-hmm. Released a couple years. Because it was 2003, right, that the second one came out? I think so. So a couple years, four years after the first one. So we built up that hype, right? Everyone loved the first Matrix. They're like, okay, we want to see the follow-up. $741 million. That's insane. Matrix 3 did not have that much. It had $407 million. But when you consider that it came out in the same year, they both came out in 2003, and the fact that Matrix 2 was not nearly as good, so I think that killed a lot of the hype going into it, but still, $400 million for the third feature in this means that, I mean, this had sturdy legs. So now that it's become such a classic, and it's we've had so many years, so, I mean, the bad taste of the other two films have sort of washed out by now and we're i'm sure all going to be hoping and praying that it lives up to the first film's quality Mm -hmm. i think that could really drive people to the theaters again it'll be at the end of the year so north america should be good at that point hopefully no winter wave will come back and overseas certainly Mm -hmm. the chinese marketplace they'll be good there so it's a it's a risky move, I think, again, because of the HBO Max uh, factor, but I'm hoping Matrix 4 will be able to get really high, po- over 700 million, hopefully higher. What about you? Where was Matrix 4 in your contention? Well, it wasn't anywhere because my criteria of it being at the end of the year... Right. It didn't it didn't really make the list. I see. So you're saying but, Clifford the Big Red Dog is higher on your list than Matrix 4. No, it wasn't. That should have been your first clue. Clifford is rules. releasing the same day as the Eternals, so Clifford's gonna get squashed. It will. They should probably move that. They really should, but they can't. So <laughs> Clifford is just gonna like the the ten families that are gonna go see it will give it some money. But Matrix for even even with the new criteria, I wouldn't still wouldn't put it super high on my list because it has the potential to do good. But at the same time, if the quality isn't good, if it is a bad movie like some of the sequels were, I think it will flop hard, even if it is a Keanu Reeves Matrix action movie. I think it is more dependent on the quality than a superhero movie like an MCU movie or even Venom would be able to do like. It, quality is is king when it comes to IPs like that. If Matrix Four is bad, I can't see it surpassing three hundred, four hundred million, just at all. Because word of mouth will get around; people just won't want to see it anymore. And that's just that. MCU has a draw when it comes to even bad movies; people still want to see it because it's a continuation of a larger universe. You know, people. I'll still go see a bad MCU movie if it means I can learn more about what's coming next. That tends to be a draw. Same with things like Venom, is there could be more sequels to Venom. We don't know if there's going to be a Matrix 5. We don't know if the Matrix 4 is even going to be good. So if it's bad, I don't think a lot of people will go see it. I so see. That, that really bogs me down in terms of putting it anywhere on my list. Is It's too much of a risk, if you ask me. Gotcha. Now it's odd Which that I say true. that. That is true that it could be a massive risk, but I want to 
I want to diversify my roster here. I didn't want to go for, and that was intentional from the start. I didn't want to go for all superhero films. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to see which ones had the best chance to yeah. be big hits, but wouldn't be ones that you would entirely expect. And I feel like Matrix 4 would be that. But again, there are those different factors, the streaming thing, and then the fact that it would be so quality-based. I mean, if it's straight trash, then yeah, I don't think people are going to flog to it. But mm-hmm. it feels like one of those things, like, come on, two decades yeah. since then, they made the choice to, okay, now we're going to do it. Keanu Reeves is signing on now that he's a hot star. I feel like they wouldn't do that unless there's at least something good to start with there and hopefully it will flourish as they finish up making it and then it'll be a beautiful hit at the end Mm -hmm. of the year now it's funny that i talk about risks because my number four i would also consider to be a pretty big risk okay my (laughs) no my number four is actually ghostbusters afterlife okay now this is a bit of a risk explain yourself I don't think Ghostbusters is going to be a triumph of a film. I see. But I think it will be good enough that word of mouth will get around and people will go see it. I think it can get around 400 to 500 million worldwide. It is uh, the continuation of a franchise that people hold very dear, that people love. There's plenty of people are committed to, to wanting to see a movie that's a continuation rather than a reboot like the Ghostbusters in what, 2016 did, 2017. I think, yeah. yeah, I think it can haul in a lot of money. I see. I so that was never in my top selections because mm-hmm. I was thinking about the 2016 one got around 200 million. Yeah, somewhere around there, and the first two Ghostbusters mm-hmm. also got around 200 million worldwide. I think just one for of them inflation. was higher to the 300 million. I mean, that's true. They were massive sensations, but I feel like, I don't know, I could be wrong in this, and it could just be my own bias seeping through, but I feel like Ghostbusters isn't as big of a property mm-hmm. nowadays as it used to be. I mean, we see like in Stranger Things, they bring it up, and it's always one of those cultural artifacts from the 80s, but yeah, I don't know how much people actually truly care about it nowadays who would want to. I mean, I'm sure people would go and see it but Mm -hmm. i also feel like this approach to it um that they're doing also you just chose this isn't paul rudd in this paul rudd is in this yes (laughs) and i do love paul rudd and i love that paul rudd got you on board (laughs) yeah the director's ivan reitman or not ivan reitman ivan reitman's son what's his name i don't remember but it's ivan reitman's son and jason reitman i got (laughs) it hit me Jason Reitman is a fantastic filmmaker. I love Up in the Air. I think it's a great movie. I think he has the potential to make something that's quality that people will want to go see and not only see it once, but maybe see it twice or three times. I think Paul Rudd has a big draw. I think some of the the kid actors that are in there have big draws. Isn't Finn Wolfhard going to be in that? He is. So it's got that Stranger Things pull a little bit. I think it has the potential to do very well. So I'm going to take the risk. This is my risky pick <laughs> and go with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right. I could I could see it flopping. I really could. It could only cross 200 million, which would be devastating for me. It would probably give you the win. But right. I'm going to take the risk and see what happens. Yeah, take the that, leap. 
that one certainly is a big risk there. I think it could potentially... I think this is another one that would be more quality-based, because how much of it relies on the nostalgia of the 80s? Because, I mean, Paul Rudd obviously wasn't in it. These new kids aren't a part of it. So how I much mean, it's, are they bringing I'm, back from the... Well, I'm pretty sure Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Sigourney Weaver are going to be in it. So they have that pull. Like, it's, it's a direct okay. sequel to the first two movies. And it is a continuation of that story. So they're bringing in some of the old players. Uh, they're, it's like It's like the new Star Wars movies being a continuation of the old Star Wars movies. It's, it's just taking those old people, putting them in cameo roles, and giving light to a new generation of Ghostbusters. Gotcha. Yeah, honestly, that could be a sleeper hit. If it is mm-hmm. quality... It does have the nostalgia factor then, because that was, I think, a big part of what went against the Ghostbusters 2016. One. And that one already made 200 million without with being a bad movie that people didn't really want to see that had no nostalgia factor, really. Right. Other than the fact that it is Ghostbusters. So I do think it'll get around. It certainly will pass 200 million worldwide, mm-hmm. and I could see it getting close to 400 million. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how much beyond that it'll truly get. And there's also, it's getting sandwiched between Eternals and Top Gun. That's true. So in that sense, I'm wondering if it might get hamstrung there. It might get taken down. It could be, but I don't have high hopes for Top Gun that much. You don't? I don't. What is your fifth pick? Top Gun, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so another thing I was thinking about again is I was like, hmm, I want to take these risks. I want to get some of these films up here that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect. But then I'm also scared to do that because I, I know, wanna, right? Because <laughs> if they flop, the... if they flop, you're screwed. You know, yeah, if, if you one get movie one flops, big flop, you're just you're out. Of you're it. done. Yeah. Because half of these, I mean, we already know. Because, I mean, you've got Spider-Man, and I've got Eternals and Shang-Chi, and those are all going to dominate regardless of whether right. they're good or not. And so if we have a flop, the other person can surpass very easily. But if we both have flops, it'll get close again. Now, I took a risk with Ghostbusters. I think Matrix 4 is relatively sound. you got to take a risk now. Come on, what's it going to be? Oh, I don't know if I want to do it. Take the leap. Because it could be... It just genuinely looks bad, though. So I don't know if it'll be able to... Is it Hotel on. Transylvania, Transformania? No, that's one of them, though. <laughs> that was one of the ones I was thinking about. Really? Yeah. Because cause some of those, I mean, they're, they're the good mid-range films, right? Where they got mm-hmm. around $500 million. Yeah, and um, it's probably guaranteed to make about that much again. Right. So yeah, they're, they're like the solid picks, but there's the risk, right, of one that could flop or potentially make a ton of money. Yeah. So I think I want to, I want to make it interesting. I want to take a risk. Do it, do it, do it. But I don't know how much I believe in it. I just don't know. Movies are so crazy nowadays, and you can never. You can never know. It could it, it, it really. I mean, comic book movies are always a safe bet. They'll make a decent chunk. But you never know. Sometimes they can flop like Birds of Prey did. Yeah. You never know. God, yeah, there's never a safe bet. Oh, I don't know if I want to... 
do it, or it could just be so bad. Um. Nah. I can't. Can I? No. You can do it. What are you are you gonna go for a risk this next round? And I don't know. Risk? I because I have I have my list that I was going in order doing, but now that I'm on number five, I have to be more selective, and I'm between my last four choices. Like they're oh, all <laughs> they're all, all four choices are high prospects. They're all kind of risks. One of them one of them is secure. One of them is like guaranteed is gonna make over five hundred million, but the other three could go could be huge could be huge successes based on how previous movies that are similar to them have done or they could just flop if they're not good so i'm between all of them but i the the one that's 500 million guaranteed i don't think is gonna do amazing so i really have no idea yeah this is tough the obvious ones we put away and these could be they could go either way yeah i know i feel like i want to take the big risk but do it do it do it come on You'd have to take the risk with me, then. You'd have to go. Find- All right. This, I'm telling you, it's a crazy one. This might not even be in your top four. Maybe it is, but I don't know. I just keep thinking about it, and I'm like, that would be stupid if it did make such a crazy amount of money. But what could it be? It's what possible. could it be? It's not the last duel, is it? No. Oh, okay. That would certainly not make that much. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna do the risk. What is it? This could 100% tank me. This could be the one. This could make or break. But based on the performance of Jumanji. Oh my god, you're going to do it? Which, to my ultimate surprise, was able to nab nearly a billion dollars. Ridiculous. It was like 961 million. Mm -hmm. And then the sequel got 800 million. Despite them kind of being not great. (laughs) The first one was, I think, better than the second one. But... I'm going to go for Jungle. I knew it. I knew it. dude. You're betting on the power of the rock. That's what you're doing right now. Can I just say that Jungle Cruise is 100% in my top 10? I completely agree that I think the power of the rock will bring in a huge chunk of money. I think he can do it. It's just so... It's one of those things where he's such a star. Movies like Mm -hmm. Rampage, which was a bag of trash, was able to get... How much money? Let me see this. Four hundred twenty-seven million worldwide. That was just and, him uh, with a big white gorilla. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jungle Cruise will be a better movie than Rampage. So I, I think, think it so can too. rack in quite a bit of money. Like I could think it could get to eight hundred million if, That's if what it's because even Jumanji isn't that great, but it's it's good enough to where people will want to see it and see it again and see it again because it's funny and it's The Rock and it's action. And Jungle Cruise has the potential to be just like that. It could even get to a billion dollars. It could. So That's what Jungle was, Cruise is a pretty big mind. hit, but a it could flop billion. too. It really could flop, but I don't think it will. So I think you made a good choice here. Yeah, I'm hoping, like you said, the power of the Rock, the fact that he's had a string of hits, despite like again, even films that are just him with Rampage and mm-hmm. Skyscraper. Let me look that up real quick. See how much that got. That got 304 million. Like that's just him being able to pull that in. And that was mostly overseas. So he's a big draw internationally, which I think is crucial for a mm-hmm. film like this. But it also has the power of Disney behind it and being based off a ride that people might recognize. So they're like, oh, let me go see that. It's, like you said, an action adventure, but it's also a family movie. I think it's certainly geared towards that. So 
there's a big possibility that this could end up like a Jumanji. Or mm-hmm. it could end up like a Doolittle and just be absolute trash. Doolittle got like $200 million, which was insane that it got that much. But, and I think this, if it's as bad as Doolittle, I think it would still get around 300 mil based on, again, just the name and the recognition of the property alone. But there is potential here for it to go really high with its money. The July mm-hmm. release date is also a little frightening to me for the North American market, but again, there is a potential world where Jungle Cruise, <laughs> amazingly, gets near a billion or surpasses it. So can I just risk, say, but I'm taking it. I'm believing in it. That if you hadn't picked Jungle Cruise for your number five, I probably most likely would have. You would have. Oh, I really would have, because just the power of Dwayne the Rock Johnson is so strong. Future president. It 30, could 30, do <laughs> so good. It could really do good. Very shocking, but but All right, good choice on your side. Your round five pick. You gotta, uh, you gotta spice it up too. You gotta go something crazy here. Go big or go home. That's the thing is I might not because <laughs> because oh. <laughs> we've we've done if if I'm looking at it we've done all the crazy picks that I think have the potential to do crazy amounts like a billion dollars. Everything else is a crazy pick. That will either flop or do like <laughs> 500 million max. Like in the Heights could be a crazy pick. I don't think it's going to do that good. Right. Uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick could be a crazy pick, but I don't think it'll hit near what what we I need it to be. You think? West- well, just to harp on that for a second, it got mm-hmm. 356 million. The first one did in 86. Yeah. And you're talking about, so that was the same year as Ghostbusters. It mm-hmm. eclipsed Ghostbusters somehow. Ghostbusters has become a cultural phenomenon more so than Top Gun. But there still seems like there'd be a lot of interest in that film. And it's Tom Cruise who's become a bona fide superstar yeah. at this point. That's yeah. why I was also considering that in there. Like your Ghostbusters Afterlife, that was me considering Top Gun Maverick. Um, and if it is like a really quality film too, I feel like that would make it get like that'd have to get at least 400, 500 million, right? But it could not. It could totally flop too. You never know. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Is it it could flop, but it could do good, you know? And I'm between I'm really between two right now. And they are both well, I don't want to say because it it'll spoil what two they are. <laughs> but but jeez. One of them is guaranteed to make at least five hundred million, probably. You keep saying more. that. And I'm probably more i think i almost know the one you're talking about but i think it's guaranteed to make to between see. 500 and 700 but the other one i'm thinking of is a movie that i think i'll like more but it could flop as hard as birds of prey or it could do as good as some other kinds of movies i don't i don't know that's the problem god i don't know i want to do something crazy because i don't want to rely on things that are too normal but i also want to win you know <laughs> i want to want the eternal struggle kill want to make it interesting yeah. but you want to be victorious i know and you've got a pretty stacked lineup here like i think you'll do pretty good i think the only things that might be lacking is matrix 4 and venom if it's bad so you have a good lineup like i know spider-man's gonna kill no time to die is gonna kill and jungle cruise i think will kill venom and matrix 4 are are iffy Eternals, F9, and Shang-Chi, I think, are also going to kill for me. But Ghostbusters is my risk, you know? Right. So I need something in there that I think 
will do really, really good. So I can go with my safe bet and, and be guaranteed another top on top of what I'm doing well. Or I could do something that will either flop or do even better than my safe bet. But I don't know. <laughs> hmm. This is it's just a really tough call. You're going to have to start throwing up the Jeopardy music. Soon. Yeah, I know, right? 30 seconds on the clock. <laughs> Man, I don't know how... Oh, how do they do that in the NFL draft, you know? They're on, like, the, the fourth round of picking, and all the big players are gone, and they've got, like... They're, they're between the, the, the wide receiver who who's just has, like, good numbers, but sometimes trips, and maybe, like, the kicker who kicks with his left foot, which is unlucky, I guess. I don't know. Like, how do they, how do they pick... God, I'm sure they have it a bit more down to a science. Yeah, of course. When it comes to but, the NFL draft, but, but God, I want to win. Which will you choose, Dylan? What shall you choose? I say go for the risk. I mean, you pointed out that I had the two shoddy ones of Venom and Matrix Four. You have, I mean, again, I'm not as confident in Shang Chi and Eternals as you, just because I'm skeptical about the draw of two unknown properties. Mm-hmm. But they could be the massive hits, uh, or they could be slightly underwhelming compared to things like Black Panther and Captain Marvel. So you have to consider that as well. Are you as sure about your big hits? I am. I'm relatively say? confident in my top three big hits. Like I'm pretty confident that those are going to do great. Ghostbusters Afterlife is the real risk here, but I think I'm. I'm not going to go with the safe bet. I'm going to go with something a little bit riskier. Oh snap. My fifth and final pick is the Suicide Squad. Oh, I knew you was, I knew I, was going to yeah. because you said Birds of Prey, and I was like, oh, it's not. Because Birds of Prey did so bad for what it could have done. It only made $200 million. That's, that's very true, and it was pre, abysmal. Uh, pre-pandemic. I mean, I guess yeah. China was knocked out at that point, but it, mm-hmm. that Still, aside, it did poorly. It should have so. done better than that, but I was I was debating between that and Black Widow. Oh, Black Widow really? was definitely my safe bet because I think it's oh, guaranteed to make yeah. at least five hundred million, but I don't think it's going to go crazy. I don't think it's going to exceed my expectations like Captain Marvel. But but the Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad was a shit movie that that everybody hated, <laughs> yes. that wasn't good, and it made what seven hundred and fifty <laughs> million dollars. It did do that. Yeah, it took in a buttload. My biggest fear, though is that it will bomb like Birds of Prey. But I know it's James Gunn. It's got three times as many characters from the comics, even the relatively unknown ones people don't really know, but he did that with Guardians of the Galaxy. So he's got that tone going for him. He's got probably a better story and, and more creative control going for him. I think people are more interested in this than they were than they were even interested in the first Suicide Squad. I know I'm even more interested in this because of James Gunn's notoriety and the, the cast that's in there, John Cena, Idris Elba. All the new players that are in there, Nathan Fillion, everything. I think there's enough to draw in another seven hundred fifty million dollar, uh, uh, kind of kind of box office performance, which I think will outdo Black Widow. But mm. if it's a bad movie, if it somehow turns out just to be a bad movie that people don't want to see, which I don't think will happen, I think it looks good. But if it comes out bad. People don't want to see it. People don't go and see it multiple times. It could stall around 200, 300 million, and that could be the end of me. 
if that <laughs> and Ghostbusters flops, if they both flop, I am for sure done. No matter how well the other three do, I am for sure toast. That is true. So it is a risk. But if Suicide Squad performs like I think it will, if Ghostbusters performs like I think it will, I could have enough to take the cake. So I'm going to go with the Suicide Squad. Go with the risk. That is, I'm glad to see it. I was also considering it, but I never really gave it, entertained it too much because Mm -hmm. there's the HBO Max effect in play for this one as well. Mm -hmm. It's also a little bit earlier in the year so there is always a possibility of covid still being causing people not to be as confident to go back um but hopefully yeah, but by that point it'll yeah but that's over. that's suicide squad is is august and black widow is july well agreed. that's why black widow is never in my contention because of that but you're right it's definitely going to get a lot of money but will it get i think it will get at billion? least 500 i think yeah, a billion because, no yeah, North American market is still not where it needs to be for that. So I think it's a good choice to go to bet on Suicide Squad instead. Because you're right, the first one was trash, and it still made so much money. So There's much the potential money. that casual audiences get fooled into thinking this is somehow a sequel, uh, or they do understand it's a remake, and they're like, cool, I'll go see this new mm-hmm. version. Um, but that could also be an impediment if people are like, didn't I already mm-hmm. see this? And then so they don't watch it. Or if they say, oh, that other one wasn't as good. Let me just catch it on HBO Max or catch it when it comes out on video later. So that is certainly a risk. It could go either way. And I didn't I didn't really think that it would go beyond $700 million. Mm-hmm. I feel like $400 million or so would be a solid... Like that's... it's floor its bottom based on mm-hmm, definitely north american market being okay at that point and then international market because i think china really did enjoy the first suicide squad like i think yeah. a lot of it was the overseas from there so i think it will mm-hmm. have a nice like even on your low side i think it'll still get a nice amount but there is always that potential for the the runaway hit yeah and i mean with the first guardians James Gunn was able to bring in 772 million with with uh, a group of people that are a comic that people weren't super familiar with, at least casual audiences weren't super familiar with, because of the tone that he brought to it and the performances he got out of his actors. So I think James Gunn has the talent to take a more well known or a less well known uh, comic and bring it to life. And Suicide Squad isn't even as less well known; it's more well known. But some of the characters that are being introduced, people don't know very well. I think he has the potential to do what I need him to do to win. Right. Over, at least over Chloe Zhao's potential with the Eternals in terms of exceeding my expectations. But I think Eternals with the performances and with it being an MCU movie in phase four has the potential to, you know, sky's the limit. It can, it can do anything. All right. Now to recap, we have Ryan's top or Ryan's five picks. They are Spider-Man, no way home, no time to die. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Matrix 4, and Jungle Cruise. My five are Eternals, F9, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and The Suicide Squad. Nice. Okay, I'm glad we got some diversity in there. I was worried it was just going to be a bunch of comic book movies. Yeah. 
but thankfully it still is a lot of comic book movies though very true but i mean those are always going to be the highest performance but we do get some some risky performers in there Mm -hmm. and some diversity with the ghostbusters and matrix 4 doing some throwbacks so an interesting roster that we each got and we will see how it shakes up so the first of our films is what f9 f9 is coming out later this month internationally and in july or june worldwide late june so we yeah. will hit you guys up when f9 starts to release so we can see how well i'm doing all right so now we're gonna get into our top anticipated films for 2021 so paying no attention to whether or not it'll be a big draw at the box office we're just going to be talking about our excitement levels for these films and we'll do our top three but we can start with a little bit of honorable mentions so dylan i know you had some i have so many honorable mentions (laughs) all right i'll go through them quick uh no time to die because i love james bond i'm super excited for that that is just an honorable mention though because there's course three better ones tragedy of macbeth because i love denzel and he's gonna be macbeth which sounds amazing dune because it's denis villeneuve and timothy chalamet in canto and luca because i'm a huge pixar fan in the heights because musicals are my passion not my purpose (laughs) spider-man no way home because it's spider-man and there could be a crossover event i mean that sounds awesome the baz lerman elvis biopic is an honorable mention because I only like one Baz Luhrmann movie, and it's uh, Moulin Rouge, and I want to like more, and I want to know more about Elvis. The Last Duel, which is the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, Ridley Scott movie about medieval times. The Green Knight, which is another medieval time kind of movie, but it's an A24 piece, and it looks really good. It's got Dev Patel, super excited. David Lowry directed it. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel movie for The Sopranos, because I love gangster movies and The Sopranos. Reminiscence, which is directed by Lisa Joy, who was the co-creator of Westworld and is Christopher Nolan's brother's wife. So and this is her first big movie. This is her first movie that she's ever directed. So I'm excited. I think you can say, I mean, he's like a big enough Jonathan. Nolan. Jonathan Nolan's wife. He, yes. He, he wrote also, Memento he and he Westworld, also created yeah. Westworld. Yeah, they, they created it together. Respect, Beautiful. because I mean. It's it's Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. That sounds amazing. Stillwater, which is what is that? <laughs> it's on my list, and I forgot what it is because I, I I did this earlier too. I was looking over it, and I got to Stillwater, and I just completely forgot what it was. Oh oh, I remember. It's a Matt Damon movie, and Matt Damon's daughter is accused arrested for murder in France while she's like living in France. So Matt Damon has to fly over and help her, and it's directed by Tom McCarthy who was the director of Spotlight. And I love Spotlight. Oh, gotcha. So that sounds... Because it's not like a typical action movie. It's more like a drama thriller, which sounds interesting. Right. A Quiet Place 2, because I love John Krasinski, and, Emma, and I love the first movie, of course. The Woman in the Window, because I will never stop supporting Amy Adams in her quest Indeed. to get an Oscar. She needs Indeed. it, she needs it. Uh, the French Dispatch made honorable mentions. It was almost in my top three. It was close, because I love Wes Anderson... I love how he always has a huge cast of great characters. So I'm looking forward to that. And my last honorable mention is Don't Look Up, which is the Adam McKay, Leonardo DiCaprio movie about climate change, supposedly. Commentary on that. I love Adam McKay. I love what he's doing in the drama with Vice and with The Big Short. 
I'm looking forward to that. Those are my honorable mentions. What are your honorable mentions? My God, that was so many. So I will. I know. I would just keep it to two honorable mentions, or maybe <laughs> three, just to throw them out there. But I mean, most of what you said. I mean, yes, I am anticipating them. As for some of the ones that I'm most anticipating, Matrix Four, as I mentioned, I really that's what I want to succeed. <laughs> I will also support Keanu Reeves and everything he does. Of so course. I definitely want that to work out. Luca, I also really enjoyed that trailer when it came out way back then. So yeah, it looks cute. That seems a re- like a really nice movie, so I'd like to see that. Um, I'll throw out Top Gun Maverick. Oh. I mean, my dad is a pilot, so uh-huh. I mean, that is like... That makes sense. Sacred text for us, so definitely want to see yeah. that. Links together, I see it. Mm-hmm. And I will throw out... What was the... Oh, The Last Duel. I'm really interested in that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see Matt what Ridley Damon Scott can do. In there. Yeah, Ridley Scott. I think he has another movie coming out this year, too. But that's I the have one no idea. that I definitely want to catch. So yeah. Now, by design, we had no overlap in our draft picks, of course. I want to see... Now, I don't think we're going to have any overlap with the movies that we're looking forward to because I know your tastes. I know what you like. I don't think our top three looking forward to are going to overlap at all. So I'll let you start off. What is your third most anticipated movie? My third most anticipated. I don't think we will overlap at all either. I'm interested to see what your top three are, because there are some that you threw out there. I mean, you said The French Dispatch, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, you're a Wes Anderson guy. It's top five it. that I'm that I'm anticipating, but it couldn't quite crack the I was top amazed three. that that didn't crack your top three. I've changed a little bit in the past few years. Wes Anderson has <laughs> has, has lessened to my liking a You've little bit. Now there's tragic. a little bit, yeah. But but Grand Budapest Hotel, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and The Royal Tenenbaums are three of the greatest movies ever made, hands down. They're fantastic movies. Gotcha. Well, my top, my third pick is not <laughs> The French Dispatch, despite the implication I may have had there, but <laughs> it is actually In the Heights. Ah, I knew it. I knew it'd be in your top three. Did you? How come? Because it looks fun. It looks fun. It looks colorful. And you like things like that. It looks warm and cozy. Seeing the trailer, it's got Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, that was like his breakthrough. That too. You love Lin-Manuel Miranda. On Broadway. So, yes, I have definitely converted to the Miranda church. He is fantastic. So I want to see how this goes. And he's bringing Anthony Ramos, Mm -hmm. was in the original play, I think. So now they got him starring in it. I like him. It just looks like a great time. It looks beautifully made, beautifully shot. And it's, again, the people who are making this film are the people who made the play. So there's Mm going to be a lot of heart going into it. So it should be just a great time. And I can't wait to see it. I'm going to go see it in theaters because that is what it deserves. I'll go with you. Yeah. Now, Lin-Manuel Miranda's got three movies coming out this year. He's got this, which he's producing, and he's starring in a smaller role in. He's got Encanto, which he wrote the music for. It's the the Pixar movie. And a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom, which is his directorial debut with Andrew Garfield playing uh, kind of a version of himself, or a version of Lin-Manuel Miranda, I mean. So it should be kind of interesting, I suppose. It's got Bradley Whitford in it in Tick, Tick, Boom last time I checked. You know I love my guy yeah. Bradley Whitford. 
So you're going to get plenty of your Lin-Manuel Miranda. That is year. exciting. I'm hyped. Now, my number three is Last Night in Soho. I see. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. expecting, I mean, between that and Wes Anderson, I would mm. not have thought this one made it, but yeah, go I ahead and talk about it. I can't help myself. I thought about it. And there's Wes Anderson movies that have disappointed me. Most particularly Isle of Dogs, which came out most recently. But Edgar Wright has always stayed on top. Every single movie he's made has been incredible. And I've been a huge fan of the Cornetto trilogy, Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim. These are all fantastic movies. So I'm so, so greatly looking forward to a movie with, that he's making with Anya Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. That takes place in in the fifties or so. And it's a horror thriller, time travel kind of thing. It sounds so interesting. I'm very, 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 very looking forward to it. And it's co-written by the woman who co-wrote nineteen seventeen, which is interesting. That is in fact interesting. I don't know if that's a testament to the film, but that that is also one that's on my radar, would be great to see. It's coming out fall, right? Towards the end. It of the should year? be fall, yes. Yeah. I don't think any of my top three have release dates yet. Oh. So they, it's potentially they all of them could potentially be pushed to twenty twenty two, but as of right now, they're supposed to come out this year. They're all either filming or in post production right now. So last night in Soho will most likely be coming out later this year, unless it gets pushed back. Is there? We're getting a lot of like big filmmaker directors. I mean, we got the Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright. We got, isn't PTA coming out with something later this he year? It might be, maybe. Ridley Scott with potentially two. I mean, Denis that's Villeneuve, Joel Cohen, Baz Luhrmann. Big year, man, for these yeah, big names. directors. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two is not a film that belongs to any of them. It is, which may be surprising perhaps for the order, but... Spider-Man, No Way Home. I'm also I'm, not surprised about that. I'm too diehard of a Spider-Man fan not to have it in my top anticipated. I didn't like Far From Home as much as me neither. any of the other Spider-Man films, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know. And it was a sad feeling to walk out of it. Like I watched it twice in relatively close amount of time. And both mm-hmm. times I was like, yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was Marvel fun. But it didn't strike me. Yeah, the I'm in the same camp. So I'm, I'm hoping that this next one will correct that and bring me back in just ultimate Spider-Man love. Um, and if Tobey Maguire actually comes back, ooh, well, my I mean, hype will go through the roof. Uh, yeah, that. incredible. So that remains to be seen. But the premise of it, of like him now having his identity revealed, that's something we haven't seen on screen yet. So if they carry on with that and then somehow are able to weave in the Spider-Verse storyline in a way that makes sense and it all flows together, Mm -hmm. I think that'd be really impressive and really engaging. So it is still highly anticipated from me. I I completely agree with you. It was in my honorable mentions. Even though I was left feeling a little disappointed by spider-man far from home i'm still incredibly eager to see spider-man no way home which is is surprising i mean imagine seeing a movie not liking it and then getting super hyped for the sequel (laughs) 
Exactly. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's kind of like Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. Even though it's the same filmmakers, same writers and stuff. It's crazy. But I will say the way that they're teasing it with Alfred Molina and with Jamie Foxx and with uh, Charlie Cox coming in and all these people from different places. I mean, it seems like there's no way, there's no other way they could do it other than Spider-Verse. Like, it has to be. Right. Which would be super exciting, super incredible. And that, that, that kind of crossover is what we love to see in the superhero world. Like, like go push be, beyond the borders. Go do something new. Go, don't just make a, an origin story anymore. We've seen origin stories for the last 30 years. Do something new and exciting. Start crossing over. Start bringing characters together like we see in comic books. And so I think that whole premise is exciting to me. It's definitely my most anticipated Marvel movie of the year. And Eternals is probably my second. But I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so I agree with you. That's a good pick. What is your second most anticipated film of the year? My second most anticipated film of the year. It does not have a release date yet, I don't think. And it could be pushed back. I hope not. It is Nightmare Alley, which is a Guillermo del Toro movie coming out. Oh, with Kate, It's got Kate Blanchett. It's got Bradley Cooper. And it sounds awesome. It is about, it is a psycho thriller, horror kind of movie about a psychotherapist who teams up with like a carnival worker to trick to con people using like psychotherapy. And it's supposed to be scary. And it sounds, it's like take place in like the 50s or something. And it sounds so cool. It's got a star studded cast. Let me look up some of the names because it's, it just sounds amazing i'm super excited for it the last movie he made shape of water brilliant blew me away it's got tony collette it's got rooney mara it's got willem dafoe it's got ron perlman it's got mary steenburgen it's got richard jenkins it's got holt mccallany it's got tim blake nelson it's got so many people that i love and it looks so cool i gotta read the the novel it's based on before it comes out but I'm super pumped for Nightmare Alley. I love everything Guillermo del Toro does. Very excited for that. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, I remember recently hearing about that and thinking, that sounds amazing. But I was wondering, because it didn't have to release it yet, and I was like, are mm-hmm. we actually going to get that, though? So, oh, okay, here we go. It says get pushed. expected December 3rd. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully that does come out. But yeah, that was the other one. Guillermo del Toro. Another solid director that we're getting here. Mm-hmm. And last game. night, I will say last night in Soho is actually expected October 22nd. So it should def- it does have a release date. Gotcha. Well, awesome. All right. My number one most anticipated. Do you care to take a guess, Dylan? I don't know if you would expect it. This is because you already said Spider-Man and you already said in the Heights. So something that's even more anticipated than those two. Yes. I actually think you could guess it, but yeah, go ahead if you can. Is it more of a a drama than than a big budget movie? Because the other two are pretty big budget. Right. In a sense. In a sense? Yes, but no. (laughs) Is it The Woman in the Window? It's not. Damn. What is it? That one, it is pretty interesting though, because I remember hearing so much like the hype that the book got i mean it was mm-hmm. one of the biggest things around 
And then now that it's got Amy Adams attached, that does seem really interesting. Uh, but no, it is actually Dune. Oh, of course. October 1st. How could I not see it? How could I not <laughs> see it coming? I mean, this, when you talk about a stacked film, and again, you were saying, is it a drama? Is it a big budget? It's going to be both, because that is how incredible yeah. Denis Villeneuve is. Of course. He has, I mean, some of the films that he's created, they're like semi-blockbusters in a way, like they're genre films, but then they're able to incorporate so much drama and so much emotionally resonant things that it's astonishing watching each of his films. He had Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, back-to-back, three in a row, absolute bangers. Mm -hmm. So this man is honestly one of the most underrated directors working today, I think. Yeah, because well, I don't think he's underrated. I think people love him. Critically praised, but then, I mean, just like in the general audience, mm-hmm. tend not to go see those films, which is a shame. Oh, so yeah, did, he has had a couple flops. Well, right. Certainly not enough love as he should get. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's why I am excited for it. Again, it's just the way that he's able to take the high concept, premise-driven films and then tie in those important themes like arrival which one of these days we're gonna have to do a thing talking about arrival of course so amazing fantastic movie. but that i mean the core theme there of if you open yourselves up to somebody and you invite them in that's inevitably going to make yourself available to loss and to grief but you should still do it anyway it's still worth Mm -hmm. it because the joyous moments are still meaningful they still outweigh by a long shot the bad times so, that, I mean, that's the core theme of Arrival, and it's beautiful. And then it gets wrapped up in this other alien storyline where you're deciphering the space cephalopods communication style. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, I mean, it's beautiful. The way he's able to relate those two different things together perfectly. And so with Dune, mm-hmm. which the source material, of course, is a cherished piece yeah, of sci-fi literature... And it has its own amazing themes attached to it of fear, what that does to a person, what trying to dominate fear does to a person, and then other things like the legacy, power, tyranny, all that stuff. Plus, it's expansive world building. I mean, that's a lot of things to play around with. And Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. the master of visual storytelling, it seems like he, I think, is going to be able to apply all of that and make it a true experience. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to have that experience. So I completely Dune agree. It's my number one most anticipated. If somehow they, Tobey Maguire does end up coming around, then maybe Spider-Man will overtake it. Um, I would just need to have a lot of faith that they'd be able to pull those mm-hmm. different threads together. Whereas with Dune, I feel so confident that Denis Villeneuve is able to pull all those threads together. Mm-hmm. and make an absolute masterpiece yeah i mean you got three great choices that you just made for what you're anticipating all three of them were in my honorable mentions they're good choices i'm looking forward to them as well can you i don't think you can but can you predict what my number one is is it the pta film oh damn he did it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yes i'm so impressed i i didn't think you'd get it without a hint but yeah yeah it is uh, originally titled Soggy Bottom and is now untitled. 
Wait, supposedly... they changed the title? I like yeah. Soggy Bottom. I was like, I like, that's a I like... weird, weird title, and I like it. I liked it too, but I think, they, I think they're going to change. It just says Untitled Now and form, original title, formerly Soggy Bottom. It looks, I mean, I just, PTA. Is Bradley Cooper in that one too? Yes, he is. He's the lead. Bro, this man going for another Oscar. Or one of the lead. I mean, PTA just kills it. Magnolia is one of my favorite movies of all time. Boogie Nights, fantastic. And this seems like, because there was old PTA that made quick, quick action, crazy, kind of sprawling stories like Hard A, Boogie Nights, uh, Magnolia, and uh, Crazy Drunk or Drunk Punch Love, those kinds of sprawling, kind of fun, loud dramas. And then he shifted and he started to do more period, slow, intense pieces like The Master, Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood, uh, those kinds of movies. And I'm looking forward to a shift back to the original PTA, which is my preferred PTA. <laughs> vintage with, with PTA. Vintage PTA with Boogie Nights and with Magnolia. And I think this this movie will be kind of a tempered middle ground between the two. I think he'll have more of the knowledge of pacing that he has in his older age and how that works to his advantage. But I think he's going to create like a nice sprawling sort of over encompassing story that takes place with multiple characters and has multiple themes and multiple through lines crossing and connecting like he did in his old days, which is the kind of storytelling I love. And it's taking it back to the 1970s San Fernando Valley, which is when and where Boogie Nights takes place, (laughs) which is so exciting because Boogie Nights is so good. It's also where Magnolia takes place in Punch Drunk Love because he, he grew up in the San Fernando Valley, so he makes a lot of his movies around there. It's got Bradley Cooper. It's got Benny Safdie from the Safdie Brothers. He's going to star in it, <laughs> which is crazy. It's got, um, I think, there's other people. I think James Gandolfini's son is in it, maybe? Something like that. But he's just, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I love everything he does. I hope it doesn't get pushed back. I hope it, I hope all three of my movies come out this year so I can enjoy all three of them. And I'm very excited to see what Paul Thomas Anderson does. The story is, it follows a high school student who is also a successful child actor, which is kind of drawing on the themes that he played with in Magnolia, with the kids who were famous from the TV show that they were, that are featured. Have you seen Magnolia? Yeah, I was just thinking oh, about so him. Good. <laughs> He's like, I gotta go pee. Like, hold it. You just stay there. Just stay. Commercial break. <laughs> oh, did you pee your pants? <laughs> oh, such a good movie. The whole, it's just so good. That's so why I, I, I am incredibly looking forward to that as well as Nightmare Alley and Last Night in Soho. Those are my top three. I'm Dylan Johnson. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Welcome. We are finished with our TED Talk. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Have a fantastic day. So yeah, that's a great di- uh, difference in our selections. There, mine leaned more towards mm-hmm. the blockbuster spectacle, and yours leaned more towards the low budget more, drama. Yeah, low budget artistic dramas, drama. The ones that are more artistically driven. Um, mm-hmm. Although I would still wager, certainly with Dune. Dune, yes, a lot of I would wager would be implemented there and mm-hmm. in the Heights as well. Um, like certainly in terms of musicals, like I think that'll be a standout for its genre. So a great batch of films, I think excited to looking at all of them. 2021. I mean, yeah, this is shaping up to be a good year. All your, if nothing else gets pushed back anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, all your honorable mentions, I was like, okay, okay. 
Mm. Each one was going to be hyped, and then each of our three top anticipated. They sound great. Excited for it. Yeah. Now, last but not least, we have our movie of the week. This week, Criterion released its, or last week it released its edition of Memories of Murder, which is the Bong Joon Ho 2003 murder mystery. That was his second movie. Uh, it was hard to get access to in America because of streaming rights and distribution rights. So it was gone unseen for a long time by American audiences. But ever since Bong Joon-ho won a lot of awards in early 2020 for the 2019 hit Parasite, it has garnered a lot of attention. And Criterion released a, a new uh, cut, not, not a new cut, but a new uh, redux of it, improved visuals, improved audio under the supervision of the cinematographer and with the approval of Bong Joon-ho. And I was fortunate enough to buy a copy immediately. It came in last week. I watched it this week. And it's good. I had a good time. It's 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 a darker story than 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 what I'm used to with Bong Joon-ho. I mean, because Parasite, there's a lot more comedic breaks. I will say, though, Memories of Murder did have more laughs than I thought it would after watching the trailer. There was definitely some funny moments, which I think Bong Joon-ho does really well, is playing between the humor and the, the tensity that can happen between scenes. It it was paced a little differently than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be more cutty, more kind of like kind of like early PTA about like kind of trying to take this long period of time and shrink it down to a two hour movie because it's it's based on a Korea's first reported serial killer from the eighties and early nineties. So I thought it would be a little bit more stretched out, but instead he went with a slower tone movie that was kind of told very chronologically a little bit slowly. It was good. It had great moments. There's some cool chase scenes, some cool action, great dialogue. As far as murder mystery thrillers go, it is very high up on the list, of course. But it does feel like it's a bit more of a genre piece than his movies usually are. Kind of like Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is definitely like a sci-fi genre piece, but he does do twists with it to sort of entertain a more dramatic and more artistic light for that movie. And there's certainly a lot of artsy interpretations in this movie, but it is definitely more genre than like Parasite. Though not as genre as The Host. The Host is definitely his most genre movie. It is it is a monster movie. That it's it's <laughs> the best monster movie, but it is a monster movie. Um which I, I I've noticed he does like to play with genre a lot, which I think is fun. I think it's fun for him to do. I think maybe Memories of Murder might have just been hyped up for me too much because people had always been talking about it so much for the last year or so since he won for Parasite. They were talking about how great it is, but people who actually saw it in 2003, people who saw it when it was released in theaters later in 2020, for people to see it, they were talking about how great it was. And I didn't see it at the time, and I was like, oh, this must be incredible. Maybe it's as good as Parasite. I don't think it's as good as Parasite, but I also don't think it's fair to compare the two. They're two very different movies that were made at two very different points in his, t- in his life. I I wouldn't compare the two. I just I do prefer Parasite personally. Of course, I think he's just put so much dedication into that and so much thought into everything about it. What is great about Memories of Murder is that he has put a lot of thought into how the story would be told from interpreting it honestly as what happened in real life and artistically at the same time. It's very honest about Korean police culture in the 80s what was so significant about this case at the time is that there were a lot of people who were being brought in for questioning by the police who were tortured and were trying kind of 
tried to forced to make a confession when they weren't guilty and that is brought up a lot in the movie there's a lot of scenes where people are tortured to try and give a confession and it's not like played darkly it's played more realistically how torture really does look like just people keeping people in a room for a long time and hitting them and uh holding them upside down and just trying to get them to admit that they killed someone that they didn't kill and trying to get that recording on tape so you can play the tape in in court and get a conviction rather than maybe a, a darker tone on more movie-like tone on torture but it is very honest in the the brutality that the police entertained at the time and the pressure that the news put on them in terms of lessening that kind of intensity which it did lessen throughout the movie because of the, the pressure from the news media but it's not my favorite movie of all time but it is definitely a very good movie i would just say temper your expectations don't think it's going to be the greatest movie of all time like i thought it would be so it, it did kind of not meet my expectations but it is fantastic a lot of thought went into it. It's incredibly intelligent. There are some amazing sequences. It is a really good murder mystery. It leaves you thinking. Highly recommend. You'll have to send it my way soon. I will. I am looking at the box right now. I can send it to you. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you would like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxoffishow at gmail.com. You can also submit your roster, your draft picks for the 2021 movies that will be the highest grossing for the year worldwide. Yes. The music featured in this episode is by Joseph McDade. All right. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.